face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to another episode of Film to Film. My name is Iñaki Lanier. I'm here with my good friend, James Shergan. How are you doing, James? I am doing well. We've had a long history talk uh, for 45 minutes between the two of us, so ready, uh, uh, hopefully, at least, to record this podcast. I know, I know. Um, so, yeah, especially because uh, of the film we're going to talk about. But be- before that, you know, have you been seeing any movies or anything lately? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, catching up with some uh, movies and uh, maybe not the most popular taste. Uh, I've been watching uh, Eli Roth's back catalog, so oh. uh, I'm fully up to date uh, on him except for his uh, children's movie. He has a children's movie? Yeah, yeah. It, House with a clock in the wall or something. Came out a couple of years ago. I haven't seen it. That's the one I haven't seen. Uh, it doesn't doesn't sound too interesting to me. But I mean, what sick bastard hired him to do a, a, a children's movie? <laughs> I know. It's PG-13, too. So, you know, so it's, apparently it's, he... It's uh, not even a children's movie. I mean, that's like a teenage film. Yeah. You should be like uh, one of the Italians. Come up with like a fake name for the, uh, uh, for the non-R movies he does. It could be a... Uh, uh, Roth Eli. Roth Eli. I like that. I like that. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. No, I, I've been... Um, on my side, I, wa- I watched the docuseries on uh, Bezos' platform uh, <coughs> about the Leeds United, which is a soccer team in England. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, is it good? I don't know yet. I mean, I actually watched the whole thing, but I'm not sure if it was good. <laughs> okay. Is that a Netflix documentary? Yeah, no, no, Amazon. That's what I was saying. Uh, Bezos. Uh, oh, okay. Platform. Gotcha, gotcha. I didn't want to give him a uh, free advertisement, but I guess we just did, which is fine, which is fine. Yeah. You mean uh, Bozos uh, at Amazon? Exactly. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I, the only reason I, I, I watched it was because I I saw like the face uh, of the coach who used to be the Chilean coach back in 2010. Mm. Uh, although the guy's from Argentina, but he coached the Chilean team in 2010. And I remember like really liking him because he was uh, a very interesting character, and his picture was like at, at the front of the. Uh, <laughs> Of of the thing, so I watched it. So, yeah, I mean, if 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 anything, it just showed me that uh, um, soccer fans are insane people. Yes, and uh, <laughs> I mean sports fans <laughs> in general. But I mean, like that's that's one thing we knew. But it always helps to be reminded of that every uh, five or ten years or so. Right. Exactly. Uh, that, and, yeah. So, that soccer fans are crazy. Crazy fucking bastards. Yeah, and uh, and, and this docu docu series uh, definitely highlights that, but also it reminded me why I like that coach too, uh, as someone who is kind of a soccer fan. Uh, so I mean, if you're a soccer fan and you wanna and you like this coach Bielsa, then uh, you know it's a documentary to watch a couple of things about that guy, <coughs> but mainly it's about the team. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's uh, completely different to what uh, we're talking about today. <laughs> yep. Uh, in fact, today we are talking about the devil's backbone, or in Spanish, el espinazo del diablo. 
so before starting, uh, you know, do you like this movie or not? Um, yeah, I like this movie overall. Um, I would say, yeah, uh, yeah. All right, good. What about? Yeah, what about you? I liked it. Uh, I, I I watched it back in two thousand one, and I liked it then. Uh, like I watched it in theaters, and this is my second time doing it, and I completely. So twenty years later. Exactly twenty years later. Jesus. I completely forgot almost everything that happened in this movie, uh, except for the ending. Like, and watching it again, I was like, "Yeah, it holds up. It, it holds up yeah. in, in many <clears throat> ways, in way more uh, more ways than I thought it would." Yeah, I, I imagine this film would resonate quite differently for a uh, teenage young teenage boy versus a a, a grown esquire at law, uh, gro- or a grown human being like yourself now <laughs> i mean i i understand a little bit more of the politics uh, b- going on in the background of this film but uh at the same time like <coughs> the politics have very little to i mean they're they're a backdrop but they're not at all like the, the main theme of the film yeah you, you don't necessarily need to know uh i will say this film made me more curious about it there are multiple references to like the nationalists and stuff like that and obviously there's a strong political backdrop to it but i think it's totally possible uh, especially for a uh, audience that's unfamiliar with uh, spanish history uh, to watch this film just as a movie and and uh, enjoy it right exactly so well before going any further uh you know i will throw in the short summary so for the folks who watched it on do not remember very well uh, as well as for the folks who haven't watched it and they don't care about getting the film spoiled, uh, the summer, uh, summary is, and this I got it from IMDb. After Carlos, a 12-year-old whose father has died in the Spanish Civil War, arrives at an ominous boys' orphanage, he discovers the school is haunted and has many dark <coughs> secrets which he must uncover. Thoughts. You know that that one it doesn't say too much, but it says enough. Um, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, it and and I think it's good that it doesn't totally spoil the movie. Yeah, I agree. I I think. Uh, I mean, the must uncover. I'm not sure if he if I uh, agree with the, that. Like, in fact, yeah. How much does he uncover? Uh, he actually doesn't uncover it too much. Yeah, he kind of just gets it told to him. Yeah, if anything, yeah. I mean, like, if, if anything, this movie, like, things just happen to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's mainly just reacting. Yeah, like, like we are, like, I think he's our avatar, almost. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, Del Toro uses it as sort of a way, uh, yeah, as, as our avatar. It's like we're seeing stuff... Through his perspective, we're learning who sort of the various players are um, at this uh, boarding school are through his perspective. Um, so he's sort of the vessel in which we uh, follow to uh, learn the story. Exactly. And so, yes. And indeed, uh, this is to talk a little bit about the, the background of this film. Or not background, but, uh, you know, the, the, the details uh, behind the film. You know, uh, this was a film directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, Oscar-winning director uh, from Mexico uh, who has directed many, many, many great films. Uh, The one in which he did win uh, uh, was 
The Shape of Water, in which he won uh, Best Director on Picture, and I think uh, Pants Labyrinth, he uh, probably won something as well. Uh, he's directed lots of uh, non-artistic films and more, you know, like regular films such as Pacific Rim, uh, yep. Blade Two, Hellboy, Hellboy, Hellboy Two. So I mean, <coughs> this director has done both, you know, the the art film as well as uh, art film slash you know Academy Oscar kind of film, as well as uh, solid Hollywood movies. Um, in my opinion, I mean, I actually really like this director. I think uh, he is great, whether it's, you know, he's like old-fashioned Hollywood as well as his more artistic films. He's great when it comes to visual imagery. Um, his storytelling can be somewhat slow de- depending on the film. But uh, yeah, or, or your own preference. Yeah. I mean, I will say, uh, watching this film, which I think uh, is the film that predates his Hollywood films, like he directed Blade Two a year after this, he directed Hellboy three years after this, uh, you can see why a studio would have uh, seen this guy and seen his work and be like, oh yeah, I want that for Blade Two or I want that for Hellboy. Um, just sort of his dark, moody uh, photography. I mean, those two, uh, Blade and Hellboy, the aesthetic of those films also is gearing more towards these like dark and in Hellboy's case, like heavy reds and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and, and you can see some of that uh, aesthetic in like Crimson Peak, some of his later films, as well as this one, where we have this really cool set of of the school that's almost like a gothic feeling. It's just really big and vast, and it feels very underpopulated. Like there's only some boys there. Not all the beds are being filled. Um, so uh, uh, you can see what the studios would have seen in him. Uh, to think that he's ready to uh, direct some of those big Hollywood films. Yeah, no, indeed. Uh, I actually never saw Crimson Speak, but uh... you know, actually, I, I haven't either. I'm, I, I started watching it right before this, uh, oh. so I'm about a third of the way through. But I've seen enough to know the general premise. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is this was probably one of the his first like bigger films i mean he did do he did have two major films before he had uh, mimic which was uh uh produced and distributed by miramax i believe so you know he worked uh, with (coughs) weinstein um and uh chronos which i think it's uh more of a just more local film i mean mexico i've seen I've seen neither of those, so um, I can't comment. Yeah, exactly. Me neither. I haven't seen. <clears throat> I haven't seen either of those. But uh, I mean, this one was the first film I saw of him, uh, and I do believe that this is a very solid movie. There are uh, some parallels between this and Pants Labyrinth*. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the set, uh, the the setting, um, being. <coughs> Being bo- both in during the Civil War, and both set in uh, some secluded location, and both right. uh, having the main character be a, a child. Yeah, and both kind of bordering that uh, fantasy. Uh, like, there's certainly some fantastical elements in both this and Pan's Lab. Right? Exactly. Yeah. No. For sure. And um, what one thing that to me this movie. Uh, unlike Pan's Labyrinth, one thing about this movie that annoyed me, and I think Pan's Labyrinth is almost uh, 
uh, a more evolved point of view from this director is that in this one, I feel like uh, it was unclear whether or not this director originally wanted to make this movie a horror or a fantasy. Um, and I'll, I'd like to hear your opinion on this. But uh, when when you're introduced... So a big part of the plot here is that, I mean, the movie, the, the way it starts, you know, with uh, the child has been, you find a child who was killed. Another boy finds out. You're not sure if the other boy kills the child or not. But then the kid, uh, the, kill, the, the child that was killed is then <coughs> tossed into some well. And, right. And, and later on, uh, you have uh, Carlos who comes into this orphanage and, uh, he he encounters the ghost of the uh, murdered child. He, whenever the ghost shows up in this movie, at first, it's set up as a horror film, and you have sound effects and music that you know sets up the, the horror feel of it. Even uh, there, there, there's a, a the first time that. Uh, the ghost touches Carlos, for example. There's the sound of a scream, the, like the sound effects of a, of a scream for for a jump scare, basically. That would be very classic of a horror movie. I did not like that uh, <laughs> because and because I believe that the directors and the writers' intentions, which, by the way, this was also co-written by Del Toro along with uh, David Munoz and Antonio Trashorras. Uh, I believe that th their intent was more of the fantasy as you mentioned. But someone, mm -hmm. either the editor or someone else basically was like, no, no, but it has ghosts. So this has to be a horror. And if you compare this one with Pan's Labyrinth, in Pan's Labyrinth, like there's also many horror aspects of it, if you will. But the movie is straight up a fantasy. Do you have mm -hmm. any thoughts on mm -hmm. that? Uh, well, I can't speak too much to Pan's Labyrinth. Um, I haven't seen that film since its release, oh. so it's been about 15 years. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know. Um, for me personally, I don't think it bothers me quite as much. Um, I, I, it's, it's a unique way, certainly, to show um, a ghost. And I feel like I've seen it uh, this done a couple times before, where it's more of a a ghost that's trying to tell you what to do mm -hmm. uh, rather than like just to haunt you and mess up your life or whatever. Um, so I actually don't really have an issue. The fact that it sort of subverts those expectations where you're initially quite scared. And in fact, I kind of think that that was, that must've been uh, del Toro's uh, intentions too, just because uh, we sort of see the progression um, of the boy where he's like, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to talk to him here. And he initially is quite afraid of, uh, mm -hmm. of the, the ghost. So, um, so the fact that it combines the two is interesting. I think that's a good observation. I personally don't have an issue with it. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, maybe, maybe I like, I don't mind that the child is scared of the ghost. I think that, uh, that, uh, setting up maybe the, <coughs> the like cheap scares, into the scenes with uh, again like the screaming uh, because it's not the, it's not Carlos screaming or the ghost screaming it's like True. A, a screaming sound effect 
all of that uh, cheapens the film a little bit. Like, again, Carlos being scared of the ghost. I mean, the ghost itself is kind of scary. I mean, uh, mm. and again, this is one of those things where uh, credit goes to Del Toro. I mean, one of the things I love about this director is uh, that the imagery that he conveys, uh, not just by himself, but, you know, like also with uh the the makeup artist that he hires and and you know makeup every and and, and special effects people that he hi- hires like it conveys very good imagery like i mean they oh yeah the, the ghost for example i mean what what do you think about the, the ghost design oh i think it's i think it's good i mean i think most of the technical aspects of this film and Del Toro in general, I think, is really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was just watching Crimson Peak, and it's interesting to see uh, him evolve, and, and some of the set design there is also pretty magnificent. Um, I, to your earlier point about the jump scares, I could I could jive with that point, uh, especially if you're a really anti-jump scare person. Mm-hmm. They're not really adding too much to the plot. They kind of just give you sort of an electric jolt. Like, oh, what the hell is going on? Uh, because, yeah, you're right. I mean, in retrospect, it's like the guy is sighing. He's not screaming or crying in agony or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, I, I I guess, I mean, I could I could go with it either way. It didn't bother me when I was watching the film, but I, I do understand your point there. Yeah, I mean, when you, was it, by the way, the first time you watched it? Yes, uh, this is my first view. Yeah, and, and I mean, maybe maybe... <clears throat> This is something that bothered me being the second time I watched it because although I didn't remember much about it, one thing I did remember was that the ghost was not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So well, by knowing <laughs> that, then I thought that the the, the, the screaming jump scare uh, was unnecessary and it did not add much to the film, you know? Well, I actually recently watched a uh, a movie that's probably not considered a good movie, but it's uh, Kevin Bacon... Uh, ghost story movie where there's a ghost uh that has had a haunted past that is basically doing something similar uh-huh. where originally it starts scaring him and eventually it's showing him how uh the ghost was murdered uh it's almost the same it, it, it's a totally different setting it's in like uh fucking boston or something like that <laughs> uh so so it's a very different setting than this film uh and this film is much better i'd say than that but uh <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of reminded of that. What, what's that movie called? Well, I mean, uh, like uh, the, the the motif of uh, of uh, the murdered ghost who seeks revenge through someone else is like, all, yeah, yeah, it happens. It's all that stir. I mean, like you got to stir of echoes. Okay, I, I should check it out. But yeah, I was gonna say, like, I mean, you, you know, like Hamlet has the same motif, right? Like you got the the, the ghost father coming into Hamlet and being like. My your uncle killed me, avenge me, kind of concept, you know. Right. Uh, uh, so I mean, on that one actually, Hamlet. If you actually reread re- re- it or you or you watch the play, like at first the ghost comes in, in like in an ominous manner, right? <coughs> like uh, it it is a motif. Like the you know, it's not background breaking having a ghost. True. True. Uh, uh, seeking some sort of a, like revenge. Um, through some character, um, but uh, no, I, I, <laughs> sorry, I bet there's other movies that are way worse than the Kevin Bacon. I think there's one with uh, with uh, uh, Chevy Chase. That always sounds terrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, yeah. Anyways. So we got Hamlet, Kevin Bacon, and Chevy Chase. Yep. The trifecta. <laughs> I mean, that's when you know it movies. It film is good. Yeah. Um, Should go combine them all into like an Avengers type uh, uh, collaborative storyline. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so one, one thing, you know, that I really enjoyed about this movie and, and one that actually sort of follows a similar theme to other films we watched like um, Susteria was the uh, the place where all the kids sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I have that in my notes. Yeah. I know exactly where you're going to go. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the, the shadow play with uh, the little curtains uh, Yeah, was pretty fascinating. Um, yeah. I mean, Del Toro is uh, pretty famously a film buff, so uh, I would not be shocked if that's a direct inspiration. Probably. Except for here, you didn't have all the bright colors. You just had like a muted blue, yeah. but but still. It's, it's much shorter too here. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was effective. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to have him riff on Tesperia a little mm-hmm. bit. What do you think of the of the children? Um, They were fine. Yeah? I mean, like, I thought the acting was pretty decent. <laughs> uh... Yeah, for kids, they're decent. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, You know... Uh, I haven't talked a lot about like what my I, I will say that I think the one part and we can come back to this later if it's a little out of place here. Um, the one part that I have kind of a hard time with Del Toro films is I think he's a super talented filmmaker in a lot of technical aspects and I really like a lot of the craft he puts in. But he does happen to choose a lot of stories that I am not personally that invested in and interested in. Mm. Uh, like I would put this film, um, Shape of Water, um, and, uh, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, even Pan's Labyrinth. I think a lot of his personal projects, they're just stories that I would choose not to really tell. So I always have a little bit of mixed feelings of them where I feel like I admire and, and admire the films, uh, perhaps a little bit more than I like them. Uh, and I think that might just be because I'm not like a huge fantasy person mm. uh, or someone like that. So I think it's a more temperamental thing uh, or, or personal preference thing for myself. So I don't want to ding uh, Del Toro or the craft um, for, for that stuff because I think uh, some of the shots here are tremendous and the set pieces are really, really good. But they are stories uh, where probably my number one complaint uh, is that I just have a hard time uh, connecting with them. Interesting. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think part of that is also I tend not to like uh, uh, stories that uh, focus on like younger uh, protagonists, ah. like very youthful. So you don't like the children. I, I don't dislike the children, um, but I don't connect to them. I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't feel like I, I, I don't feel a ton of sympathy for them either. I see. I see. I yeah, mean, I mean, you 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 watch this as a thirteen year old boy, so or a fourteen year old boy, so you may uh, you may have a co- totally different reaction from me, and I could understand that. Well, too. I mean, but these kids were, are younger than fourteen, right? Like these kids were t- these are like <clears throat> what ten? So yeah, so true. To me, to it, it it's interesting you bring that because to me, uh, the way I view like when when you are fourteen or when you're a teenager, you are like, oh, these are little kids whatever true you know true like watching it as an adult i can appreciate more like a the acting uh b like the 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 the, the interactions because i mean maybe they're not the interactions i would have as a kid i don't know but i mean like 
I, I do like sometimes seeing like, you know, the, the simplicity of how they view the world. A teenager will not do that because he's about that. Uh, yeah, as yeah, for, it's true. As for as an adult, I actually do find it fascinating. Obviously, though, all these movies are written by adults, so who knows if they're that accurate or not, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I personally do like uh, films where... And I mean, like maybe it's a movie in the future we might talk about uh, the Chilean film Machuca. You have seen that. I think we both seen mm -hmm. that. But uh, also set around ki uh, children in a difficult situation of a country. I personally do like films that are they make the protagonists are children. I, I like films that when set in a very political, unhistorical moment, are set in the eyes of children because. Uh, you can play a lot with that as a director. As a director, you can play a lot with, uh, you know, uh, kids view things in a different way than adults do. Mm -hmm. And to me, that actually kind of gives you more creative liberties on on playing with what's happening. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and I feel like Del Toro probably uh, probably feels exactly the same way as you do. Uh, just the fact that he has done a couple of these films with youthful um, protagonists. And it's interesting, too. It's kind of a specific genre of film. Because this film is, like, too dark to show someone that's the same age as the character. You would not show this film to a 9 or 10-year-old, yeah, I don't think. it's a children's movie. Yeah, exactly. But they have kids in it. And I feel like most films that have protagonists as uh, 9 or 10-year-olds uh, would be targeted towards younger children, right. too. So uh, I feel like Del Toro occupies this pace, space where he's making these really, really dark fantasy uh, fantasies, um, and most of the fantasy audience uh, probably te tends to be younger, is my guess. So that's one of my notes, too, is that uh, he uh, – it's hmm. like on one hand, it, it is just a fantasy film, but on the other hand, uh, uh, it's like even The Shape of Water and stuff like that. These are like dark, almost adult fantasies, if anything, even though the protagonists are younger. True, true. I mean – and I think out of the out of uh, Del Toro's passion projects, probably the only one that actually has adult main characters is Shape of Water. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like he directed that sixteen years after this, so obviously a much older man. When he did Devil's Backbone, I think he would have been in thirty thirty six, thirty seven. Yeah. yeah, some mid thirties. Yeah, I mean, fairly young. <clears throat> um, so. It is interesting, though, like how, yeah, like for you, this is not like the children are not necessarily a plus. Uh, for me, the children are a plus. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's a, it's, it's an interesting point of view. I mean, the, the other thing I, I find interesting about Del Toro is that he was really into uh, the Spanish Civil War, even though he himself is not a Spaniard. And <coughs> as far as I know, I don't think he has any direct connections with Spain. Beyond, you hmm. know, being Mexican. Spanish speaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that I, 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 I mean, I kind of tried to look into it. Like maybe his family might have been from, you know, like refugees uh, from the Spanish Civil War or anything like that. But uh, it doesn't look like it. It looks like he's just straight up like born in born in Mexico from parents born in Mexico so 
<clears throat> well, I, I'm reading his Wikipedia right now, and he's it does say uh, both of whom are of Spanish descent for his parents. So I don't know if that means Spain or not. Uh, but in- I'm, well, so, yeah, but I mean. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah. let, let, let's skip that point. That that's we'd have to do too much of a deep dive. To, exactly. To really get into that. So, uh, yeah. Let's. <laughs> no, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, anyways, um, still though, I mean, like those are those are the thing, the highlights that um, to me, or not highlights, but those are the certain themes that I do enjoy about uh, Del Toro's film, and that I really present in this one the fantasy the use of children in a historical context um i also like how the children themselves are you know these are not necessarily innocent kids they're all in an orphanage i mean they talk like they kind of talk like adults or they want to like they act like adults i mean you have one of the kids like he's smoking cigarettes he steals and smokes cigarettes uh i like their exchange of uh of of goods their bartery system that they have, you know, one of them being like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll take your comic books and I'll give you this drawing of a naked <coughs> woman. Uh, and I mean, you, and again, that's one of those things, those things you can do with children too, like have the, the you know, you have that joke of the, the naked woman uh, with the side, sideways vagina. <laughs> so one of them is like, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, don't know, I thought that was funny. Like one of them is like, that's not how that a vagina looks like. That looks like lips. And he's like, how do you know? Have you ever seen one? It's like, no, have you? No. And it's like, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, it feels like it's, uh, there's a good attention to detail to the kids. I feel like uh, uh, whoever wrote those lines uh, has, at least from my adult, uh, 34-year-old perspective, seems to have a fairly realistic view of uh, children. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, at the same time, I, I who knows, right? Uh, it's it's hard to tell. It's, it's been so long since we've been that age. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Um, so, you know, talking a little bit about the set pieces. Um, so we had, you know, we have the the, the room sequence with the uh, sheets. Uh, and one of the first encounters between Carlos and the ghost. Right? Uh, you mm-hmm. see the ghost. Uh, um shadows and then carlos and um jaime going to get some water from the kitchen and this is one thing that i i do love about the movie is not just the kitchen but like the setup the 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 location right you have right under this kitchen this place full of wells you have no idea what they're for but what what were your thoughts about the location? Uh, uh the, like the place with the wells. Yeah. Oh, I think I mean it's a great location. It feels like vast and and uh, I mean like the water shots are cool. Um, so yeah, I mean it kind of gives it this cool dimly lit gothic feel to mm-hmm. it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean I really dug uh, that location as well as many of the locations in the film. Right. And uh, what were your thoughts on on you know like. <laughs> The scene where the kids are getting water, and uh, you know, this is one of the first times you sort of start meeting. Uh, also, Jacinto, the 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 villain, the villain, <laughs> yeah. who, which uh, is played by Eduardo Noriega from another yeah. of our films that we talked about here. Oh yeah, what was he in thesis? Yeah, he's the uh, he's the, 
He's the bad guy in thesis. Oh, okay. So he's a he's a jerk in this too. Uh, he kind of looks like Eli Roth, to be honest. Uh, so. <laughs> That's funny. Um, he, I, I I heard that he looked like someone else, but yeah, like uh, Eli Roth, that that works. Uh, yeah, the bear Jew. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, uh, he he's the main character in another movie that at some moment we'll talk about. Uh, Open your eyes, <clears throat> uh, which mm, was remade mm-hmm. into Vanilla Sky. And that one, uh, the person playing his character was Tom Cruise. Okay, there so, you go. I mean, like he's like a, a pretty, the pretty boy that kind of looks like a douche. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's pretty much what he played in Thesis, and here he, uh, here he plays up the douche part. Um, so, what was your question? Were you asking me what I thought? Of like, him? The, the, no, I'm thinking like the first thing, like the first thing that you sort of see him inter- interacting with kids, like. Uh, when they when they go to the kitchen uh, to get some water, like this is when I don't know if you remember that scene at all. Um, not too well. It took me a little bit to get the feel for who the characters are. I initially didn't think he was going to be such an important character, to be honest. Right. Um. So it's kind of interesting how they introduce him. Um. Where you kind of think he might be a little more sympathetic uh-huh. at first. Um. And uh, eventually you realize that oh man, this guy's really um. Pretty, pretty freaking villainous. Like he does a lot of bad stuff uh, in the film. Uh, so, I, uh, I, I honestly, he was kind of felt a bit like an afterthought. Uh, I was like, okay, there's going to be something with the uh, Doctor Cesares or uh, or uh, the woman uh, Carmen. Carmen, yeah, Carmen. Um, I, I initially kind of dismissed him and thought they were going to be the more important one. And I thought uh, the storyline for him and uh, uh, Conchita. I thought they were just going to have more of a uh, traditional romantic storyline. Um, but nope, that's not the case at all. So it sort of subverted my um, expectations in that sense. Yeah, I mean, and that <clears throat> makes sense because, I mean, just like uh, in Thesis, like, he is a good-looking, he's like a young, good-looking guy. So you don't expect him to be the uh, bad guy at all, you know? It, it almost seems like he's just a helping hand. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, I when it comes to characters, like there is a very dark past to him. Like there is a dark past between him and Carmen, in my opinion. Um, so you, you do have that scene where he, him, and Carmen are having sex. Yeah. Um, which, you know, like, um, Carmen, like. Uh, on one hand, you know, he's using that in a way to get to the keys to each time he's stealing a key, right? To, in order to get uh, to find the gold. But at the same time, Carmen has been using him as a sex object since he was 17. Yeah. And and that's not that's pretty <laughs> fucked up, Me, especially yeah. because he, he he was one of the orphans. In that house, yeah. and Carmen being, you know, the the house owner. If, you, if you, yeah, uh, especially in this era, it kind of does give you a bit of an icky feeling. I, I mean, I'm not even sure totally how to feel about that one too, because uh, if if it were uh, gender reversal there, then it totally feel really really wrong. Um, as it is, it still feels quite. Oh, wrong. Uh, but, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think you even need a gender reversal. I mean, there is a power. The the powers dynamics are. The, the the owner of the orphanage home 
having sex with one of the orphanages who was mm -hmm. a minor is wrong. And I mean, and, and the way that Carmen even refers to him at one of the scenes where she, you know, calls him, uh, you know, the lonely king or all the other stuff, like maybe it's later, but you know that the, rela the relationship they had was toxic. So this guy is bitter. Yeah. Like the, the only thing right. he wants to do is destroy the place. Like he talks about it a right. couple of times and it's, <clears throat> and it's almost justified. Yeah, you know, you make some good points there um, because the fact that Carmen called him like the Lonely King and stuff like that, I mean, it makes her just be almost, I mean, just downright predatory yeah. in a way. So uh, the fact that she's picking on this uh, low esteem uh, kid who is struggling, it seems more than most, and she's starting a sexual relationship with him, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, and that's one of the interesting things about this movie. Like, it's subtle. Uh, because Carmen, uh, on one hand, she can, kind of comes off as this badass quasi-hero, right? Her, her husband uh, either is fighting in the Civil War for the Republicans against the Nationalists. Uh, she's holding go uh, gold for the cause, right? Uh, she is taking care of all these children, all these orphans. And they may or may not be getting paid for it. And, and all of those things, you're like, oh, this is a very, you know brave woman who is missing a leg and you're only can assume that it's probably a war related situation right <coughs> but right. then like you have this small detail that although it's kind of passed passed aside and easy to ignore if you think about it it's pretty fucked up like carmen is not a good person either like she is a good person for the main characters but uh, at the end of the day, like, I mean, Jacinto is kind of fucked mentally for a reason. Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Her, that does make her character um, a lot more complicated. Exactly. And then you got, you know, Dr. Uh, Cesaris, who he's probably like the only good guy if you think about it. Yeah, he's also the one where I was like, oh man, is this guy going to end up being like a pedophile or something? He's like the one I thought was going to be like a bad, bad. But uh, Because he was so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I yeah, mean, kinda look from the very get-go, from the get -go, like, I mean, when Carmen looks at uh, uh, our main character, Carlos, and he's just like, oh, that child, he looks meek. All right, uh, yeah. doctor, you, you go and, uh, uh, and you know, welcome him because I'm not going to welcome that meek piece of shit. <laughs> Almost, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he also kind of reminded me a little bit of Christopher Lee. I know. And I mean, Christopher Lee is always playing uh, terrible people, so, you know. I mean, but I could have actually seen Christopher Lee playing this character. And I think it would have worked out the same way. <coughs> yeah. Because, you know, he's like, he's a smart, it's like a very smart, like, I mean, his position is... Well-educated, clearly. Well-educated. Uh, he is imposing as a character. Like, you know, you see him and... He imposes authority, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, and that's one of the other uh, subversion of expectations, if you will. You know, having this yeah. character who looks stern, but at the end of the day... It's basically a good guy. Yeah. And, and the only guy who probably cares very little about the war, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he wants to escape at the end. Yeah. Uh, which is, frankly, the correct position to have. Yeah, I mean, if you have a whole bunch of kids 
the 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 reasonable thing, especially because he he's realizing that they're losing the war. I mean, one one of the th- scenes, like there's a lot of small uh, details in here where you know, like knowing history, it gives you they, they kind of work as um, uh, you know um, Easter kind of adds some extra text to the film. exactly like one of them is like uh, uh, where they have the kids start setting up you know all these religious uh, symbols like the kids had to put a uh, the crucifix like this <laughs> giant Christ crucified Christ in the front and sort of they're putting all these like saints or other uh, Catholic uh, effigies am I pronouncing that right? Effigies? effigies, yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's uh, a uh, uh, Christian and Catholic effigies around, and on, on, uh, the and the doctor kind of makes a comment saying like, "Oh man, we're putting a, a, a giant Christ outside. Are things that bad?" And uh, <laughs> and by that, like, you know, he's re- he's referencing the fact that uh, the nationalist uh, Franco's army was. Uh, Fully, full-on Catholic and backed by the Catholic Church, and therefore, you know, they, in order to hide the fact that there were Republican, a Republican-leaning uh, orphanage, they they had to put ca- uh, Catholic, you know, images, imagery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, good point. I, I definitely would not have thought of that. Yeah. So that definitely adds a little bit. Uh, to it exactly uh so you know you, you got a little bit of color there um uh, i mean and, th- and then the other moments are of course when uh he's in, on t- in town and the other the other moment where i'd say like adds a little bit of uh more texture if you will to the film knowing that the history is when he goes to, ta- to town to sell uh his uh devil's backbone uh rum <laughs> mm-hmm. uh uh, you, you have like one of the buyers who is clearly wealthy because he's helped wealthy people. People, he's like, man, yeah, they got all these foreigners like fighting this war. Like, there's even Chinese people. Like, why are Chinese people here fighting in <laughs> yeah. Spain? And and again, the reference goes into the fact that um, people fighting on the Republican side, like people from all over the world, want to fight in the Republican side, uh, right. including Hemingway as being one of uh, those those folks. Um. So it, it, you know, those are like so, some interesting details, of and of course showing you that the wealthy were on the nationalist side. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, those are good points, and uh, probably uh, that's why it would resonate a little bit more with the, um, I don't know, people more familiar with that history. Question for you: uh, Did you catch this film in theaters? Like, was this like a U.S. release? Uh, yeah, I think I, I'm. I might have watched it at the Crest, the <clears throat> Landmark Crest Theater, okay. or maybe yeah, it was yeah. at SIF, or maybe it was at... I, I mean, it was at a line, Landmark Theater either way. Okay. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know. So, so this was successful enough to get that sort of release, so that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, according to Wikipedia, it was like distributed by uh, Warner Brothers, I think. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Oh no no oh, yeah uh, it was distributed by Warner, and oh no that was in Spain. Uh, it was distributed by Sony Pictures in in the U.S. Okay, 
I mean, I mean, this was not a a cheap film, right? Like this was four point five million for a me- Mexican Sp- a Spanish production, and um, it gathered like box office six point five million dollars. So all of this, so. yeah, man. I mean, it looks good too. It, it this does not look like a low budget film at all. So right, exactly. I mean, even though the it's it's all within one location. Yeah, yeah, that that part. But I mean, it's quite a location. Um, they have quite a cast as well. I mean, it's a pretty decent sized cast. Yeah, it's true. Uh, no, definitely. And I mean, and you know, like I'm. I mean, and one of the set pieces which we could jump onto right now, like the explosion, you know, the, when the action mm-hmm. happens. I mean, these are pretty impressive uh, effects as well as, you know, destroying part of the sets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, it's it's really well done. I mean, that's kind of Like for me, uh, I feel like I slowly get drawn out of these stories just because I'm, uh, I, I just don't resonate with the same material that Del Toro does. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that just helps to bring me right, right back in. Exactly. Um, uh, and uh, it's kind of like, I, I did not expect it to become that explosive. Um, and, and that sort of explosion of violence. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I did not. So, you know, the 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 scene where you have a, a Jacinto coming back and blowing everything up. Like, I remember everything blowing up. I don't remember why. So it was like quite a treat to see it again. Like, you know, as everyone's <laughs> trying to escape and he's just like, and then you see him like fucking <clears throat> taking all the gas and just uh, pouring all of it everywhere. Um, and, you know, if you were Conchita, which was I think uh, his girlfriend, like, would you have shot him? <laughs> uh I have no idea, but I mean, he deserved to be shot. That's for oh, sure. Oh yeah, especially later. Uh, if I can, yeah, stabs her. Uh, I know, he's re- he's really a piece of piece of crap. Yeah, I mean, like as much as he has a very very tragic background, and you know, he was probably abused as a teenager. Uh, I mean, he was abused as a teenager. Like that gives him no fucking. Like he's still irredeemable as an adult. Totally. Uh, like he's gonna blow up the place with the children inside, and all in order to get the gold. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he at one point he like he he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go have to kill the children now, and he's got, got a gun and stuff. Uh, so it's uh yeah, he he's a terrible person. <laughs> I do find it funny uh, because uh, he has those two other characters. Uh, yeah. Who are, to- are more indifferent towards that. Yeah, I mean, he's just like, all right, well, uh, as soon as we find the gold, we just should burn the place down. And, and they were like, what about the children? And he's like, kill them. And they were like, you're going to kill the children. And he's like, yep, yeah, they're all orphans, so no one will miss them. Uh, and then one of the guys is like, um, you know, uh, do what, blow up the place, kill the children. We, we don't care. Uh, we don't want to be any part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like leave us out of that um, yeah and I mean they do leave him after that so I mean yeah <laughs> right when he finds the gold yeah um, although it is pretty I don't know I mean that's one one of the more impressive things I mean 
So what were your thoughts about the uh, the scene with the explosion? Like, I mean, it was good. I, I mean, it was really good. Um, even like some of the, let me think. Uh, I mean, the whole last act just ramps amps up everything. Yeah. Um, I feel like in the first uh, two acts, uh, so over an hour of the film, and this is not a terribly long film. It's a hundred minutes or so um, before the credits uh, roll. Uh, there's like. Actually, not a ton that happens. It's more a mystery of like what the hell this ghost wants and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And there's a little bit of suspense, um, but we're mainly just exploring the sets, exploring the different characters and stuff like that. And then starting with um, them tossing uh, uh, Joaquinto out. Uh, sorry, I'm probably butchering his Jacinto. name. Jacinto. Um, Jacinto uh, out. Uh, that's when it really amps up. And uh, yeah, I mean, just the intensity of everything. I personally love the way that the camera moves and the spatial sense of it, mm-hmm. uh, the way that it's almost like uh there's like dialogue between three characters we see it rotate from one to one and then to another one and they're all spatially in different places mm-hmm. um I, I really think it's a lot of that's a technical marvel uh and up, leading up to the part where uh conchita is pointing the gun at him and uh just stuff starts to go down and right. exploding um so yeah it, it's very very impressive yeah no i i, I completely agree and uh then i mean not just the the camera's positions, but also I think uh, in, in many areas, like you know, the the symbology behind certain scenes, um, and even some some of the characters' dialogues. Like, you know, there, there's a big part of Carmen's, uh, you know, talking about her her wooden leg, and how mm-hmm. like she's more in pain, and she's like, oh, the leg is, is weighing on me, and. And I mean, like all of everything is set from before to later, right? Like even the blowing up the place is that's something Jacinto wanted to do forever. And like one one thing I like about the movie is that everything is kind of set up from beforehand, uh, right. and even the explosion. Uh, uh, I, and then you know, and then you actually have the the blood, uh, the scenes of the children, like when you have the explosion and you have all the kid like dead kids around. Uh, I mean, the carnage is real. Like, I mean, you, you know, uh, when talking about the, um, uh, I think it was a Don't Torture the Duckling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, dead children and how that's sort of a taboo. But in this movie, you have a crap ton of kids who died, who just died of the explosion. And you just kind of see their yeah. bodies like laying around. Yeah, it's actually pretty messed up. Yeah, we really feel and see the carnage. I mean, like, we literally see... Uh, one of the maids, I guess, um, blow up right next to it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it doesn't linger on the kids, which is probably good uh, not to just exploit that for uh, a thrill. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's very effective. Like, you really feel and hear the carnage um, uh, uh, that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you, you know, you go to... To, I mean the other the other scene that is not bombastic but uh, very effective is the death of Conchita. Like I love how that's shot. You know, you you kind of have. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you got the camera between like a very intimate camera between uh, Jacinto and Conchita, who you know they they dated. You know, you thought they lo- love each other. And then mm. at the same time, you got the faraway scene where you, you get to see the, the scenery, which is beautiful. The old school mm-hmm. car. It's like a Western. Exactly. Yeah. 
on uh exactly yeah like a western uh and you know you don't and you see both the stabbing from up close as well as from afar um and it's just yeah uh, yeah yeah it's good it's sorry no no no, go ahead go ahead yeah yeah and it does that that one image where they're kind of embracing but you know someone stabbed the other one yeah uh where i thought it was i thought for a moment there i was like oh maybe she stabbed him and that's actually the twist here but no, no, no. It's it's one of those views where uh, it's like you see that in like double indemnity or whatever. Oh. People are hugging and someone either gets shot or stabbed. Right. And it could be either one, and it can mess with you uh, in that sense. But it is actually uh, what you probably should accept uh, that uh, Conchita got stabbed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, has he has he is enough of a piece of shit to then take you know the the the, the fake ring that uh, Jaime gave her. To then give it to Jaime, basically saying like oh, I killed her. <laughs> yeah, it's it's some cold blooded shit. Yeah, like I mean, like Jacinta is just so fucking perverted at that point. Yeah. Um. And then you know the the other scene is of course the, the children at the end, the children against Jacinto. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, what about that? Oh, you know, like uh, you. you this is where you could like if this was another movie and this you know and Jacinto wasn't a, a piece of shit like this would be a different kind of horror right if if Jacinto was the main character and then you know he's at this like secluded basement with his children with uh, 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 these fucking weapons that they built themselves I mean it's pretty brutal it's pretty gory the way that they're just yeah. stabbing yeah <clears throat> They they have to be quite violent, and uh, then the ghost of uh, a, a child also is the one to uh, perform the coup de gras, or the fatality. <laughs> if you've just watched uh, uh, Mortal Kombat, uh. <laughs> do you? Uh, I mean, and this is one one thing I wonder. Like, I mean, so the fantasy goes into the whole concept of the ghosts, and one thing I forgot was uh, when the kids were locked up. Uh, the doctor is the ghost of the doctor uh, saves them right mm-hmm. or you know like uh, unlocks the door I always I, I forgot that so I always thought that you know the the fantasy aspect was more symbolic as in like uh, the the ghost Santi uh, may or may not have killed Jacinto but maybe he would he would have died because of the the gold was weighing him down anyways Right. Um, do you think you know the movie would have been better if that had been left ambiguous? Uh, I feel like you get more uh, of a cathartic feeling uh, having a Santi kill him. Right. Um, uh, but you know, I think that's a different choice, and I would have respected that choice as well. Uh, so I don't have a strong opinion. I I think that would have made sense too. Sort of like he's weighed down by his own greed. Uh, which would have made sense thematically as well. So yeah. uh, I'm I'm okay with that as well. I guess it depends if you want catharsis or uh, greed. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, you know what? 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 Since you know, did, uh, <clears throat> like caught your attention at what moments on set pieces? You know, I I think you caught most of it. Um, I love a lot of the way this film is shot. Uh-huh. It does almost feel like it's shot as a western. I feel like there's multiple. Um, shots that are sort of like that john ford shot uh with john wayne standing in the doorway mm. and you see out into the desert and stuff like that uh, it has some great looking shots um there with people 
um, just looking out and just having that sort of lighting contrast of like the super well lit outside uh, versus the inside. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, so it's cool to have sort of this whole gothic uh, uh, set in um, in the middle of the desert, and it provides some really nice uh, settings and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I don't have a ton in terms of uh, other uh, set stuff. Um, yeah, I think you you hit my main ones as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so too. Um, I mean, beyond that, like again, the, the politics. I'm, clearly, the movie this does have like a, a position, right? Like uh, all the good characters are within the like the, they are pro the Republicans, right? But I mean, it's it's just the backdrop. <coughs> Uh, I I, yeah, I do yeah. like to highlight it because this is the part where, you know that that's the beauty of this movie being being emphasizing why I like the movie being part of you know this kid children in the sense that like it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know yeah, uh, it, what matters is what's happening within their small world. Do you think the kids would, will survive after all of this? Yeah, I think so. You think so? Uh, I mean, presuming they can walk uh, all the way, but I mean, at that point, these kids are uh, are seasoned veterans. These these are some tough kids that survive. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm optimistic for the kids' survival. Maybe, yeah. I'm, I I don't know. Like when the movie ended, especially because all the gold was lost, and when you know mm-hmm. went down the fucking it went down the well, you literally have these children who have no money. Who you know maybe have some potatoes they were able to gather from the burnt up kitchen, and apparently the town is like a day and a half away from. <laughs> true, true. I will say that the film doesn't lead you to believe that they will starve and die miserably in the desert. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, so, you're right. Although, yeah. But but I mean you're right. They will probably have a very uncomfortable walk into town, especially the one with the broken uh, foot. Oh Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was he was going with them too. So yeah, yeah well, yeah. Good luck to that guy. I mean, what else is he gonna do? <laughs> well, he could wait, I guess. Uh, I don't think, I don't think that was pl- like possible. I mean, he would just die starving because I mean they were already talking about uh, a starvation. Like after the explosion happened, they were already talking about uh, how, like, you know, uh, the the older kids were like, okay, we need to save up food for the younger kids because you know we 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 got guts, but like they mm-hmm. they're gonna die. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty grim movie. Again, like I, I think it ends on a on a high note, but if you think deeply about it, I think that everyone's kind of fucked. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, I will take it on the note it sort of finishes on. But yeah, I mean, this is a dark adult uh, fairy tale. This is not like a fairy tale that you're going to show to uh, five-year-olds or anything like that. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, what, do you have any thoughts about like the uh, either the poetry or you know the bomb or or the symbolism of that bomb that uh, in the middle of the courtyard? Um, the poetry, no. No thoughts on that. Um, the bomb, I mean, the bomb's cool. Um, I like how it, it just adds something to it. Yeah. Where, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a nice little thing uh, 
Even there. And I mean, how fucked up is that that the fucking nationalists <laughs> bombed a freaking orphanage? I know. <laughs> and, and and then like whatever government is there, they would like showed up and they were like, okay, it's it's not it's not active and they left. But the, yeah, the bomb yeah. still it, ha- it hasn't gone off, so <laughs> yeah, you're probably good. <laughs> no, yeah, it's really fucked up. Uh it's also messed up how you know, like at the end, like, everyone just is like, all right, I, I guess we're all going to live with this ticking bomb. <laughs> um, I like I like the the imagery there, right? Like, the, that bomb sort of shows up at the moment that uh, you could say maybe Jacinto himself breaks. Because, I mean, you don't know if Jacinto was always a bad guy. <coughs> like, I mean, mm-hmm. again, as I mentioned before, I think there is justification for him to be, like, mentally fucked. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh <clears throat> and sure, he wants to steal the gold, but when he uh, the bomb falls in the same moment that Santi that he accidentally kills Santi, right? So is you know that bomb like sort of uh, an imagery uh, uh, like like alludes to to maybe the loss of of Jacinto's you know humanity, if you will, or is that reading too much into it? Um. I don't know. That's not how I read it. I suppose you could. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I mean, given all the fucking poetry that there is there, including, you know, the, 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 the poem about ghosts, right? Uh, how ghosts is just sort of that pain staying in, 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 in place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, quick side note question, not, not as, as serious. But would you drink uh, the Backbones uh, rum? Uh, no. <laughs> would you? No. But what, one thing I will say is uh, that I think the back the the rum does show a little bit of the hypocrisy, even of the doctor himself. Because mm-hmm. doctor is like, "Oh, ghosts don't exist. I'm a man of science," and you know, makes like talks about that rum and how he sells it to all the superstitious Spaniards. Because the doctor mm-hmm. is from Argentina, mm-hmm. uh, but he talks about like, oh yeah, all the superstitious, superstitious Europeans, you know, they drink this shit up because it cures of everything, including impotence, right? Uh-huh. But then he drinks it, and then you learn that the dude actually has impotence, or you know. Well, he he is old as hell, so I mean, <laughs> right? So, but but yeah, I mean, I think it implies that he kind of believes in it himself. That's true. <laughs> Which is why I do like that that he's the one telling the poet poem about the ghost. Uh huh. That's true. That's true. Um, it, it it's certainly uh, one of the lesser sins uh, of the film. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess in that sense, uh, he is a bit of a hypocrite. The lesser sins. Oh yeah, because everyone's so sinful there. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it's it's by far one of the lesser transgressions. Exactly. No, no, I agree. I agree. I, yeah. I, Talk, I, talking shit about the Europeans. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, what, one thing I do do find funny about the movie is how the doctor is uh, is like, oh, he's Argentina. Well, what do we know about Argentina? They like tango. All right, he will listen to tango the whole film. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's kind of like uh, when you uh, come to shoot a movie in Seattle, uh, you take a bunch of shots of the Space Needle, and then you go to Vancouver and shoot the rest of your movie up there. Uh, 
it's like you gotta you gotta get that those uh, stereotypes in there uh, immediately, otherwise people won't know where you are. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> gotta play that tango, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, exactly. I, I thought it was funny though. Um... <laughs> but yeah, besides that, I mean, what would you rate this movie? <clears throat> um, for me, uh, this is a personal rating, uh, so I'm gonna give it uh, seven and a half. I could definitely uh, understand someone that is inherently uh, more inclined to uh, connect to this film. I could understand a rating as high as 9 or 10, honestly. Oh, wow. Because from a technical standpoint, it's very well done. Um, it's just one that I don't um, personally uh, connect with so much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I give I give it a, an 8. 8, 8.5. Okay. So we're pretty close yeah. on this. Yeah, I mean, like, I like it a lot. Uh, I don't think the movie is perfect. I think, I personally, I mean, if I were to compare this with Pan's Labyrinth, I think uh, it is, Pan's Labyrinth shows the evolution in in, in a certain way of uh, of the visual aspects of it, um, while without taking, you know, the 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 plot. Um, obviously two very different plots but I'm saying like both uh, fantasy adult fantasy films like I think Pimp Labyrinth uh, has a little bit more on that um, of course the best one being uh, you know Shape of Water I know that's God. that's your favorite <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean Shape of Water is probably the one uh, that is also very technically well made that I just don't resonate with at all so I have a hard time with that one. I probably would have given that one like 7 out of 10 or something too. <laughs> I know. Because it, it is begrudgingly. It's, it's a very well-made film. It's just... I, I just don't care. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's just my, my interests uh, and Del Toro's interests clearly do not line up together. Right. Um, but one day we're, we're going to have to do uh, Pan's Labyrinth. I don't think we'll ever do... Uh, we will ever do uh, Shape of Water since uh, this supposed to be a podcast yeah. about movies you like <laughs> well it, it's more fun to talk about movies that uh you think the other person's gonna like uh so that's why my for my next movie we're gonna be watching leprechaun seven. Oh, excellent I, is that the is that the one where he raps or is that the one in space <laughs> yeah the one where he goes to the uh to the, to the hood quote unquote i mean you know that i've seen at least four of the leprechaun movies right I, I've only seen the first one. Oh, I seen the first one. I saw Leprechaun in Space, and I did watch a Leprechaun in the Hood. So <laughs> that's why I'm like, I don't know which numbers those are. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I had uh, two last points I wanted to bring up okay. real fast yeah, no, uh, before we wrap up. Uh, one thing um, was, like, in this age, where I think probably you're correctly uh, concerned with things like Oscar So White and representation of uh, like people of color and women. Uh, it's interesting if you look at Guillermo del Toro's um, just filmography, uh, starting with, um, I guess you can't totally give him credit for this film, uh, but he really focuses on non, uh, like we're used to this sort of archetypal 30 year, in the 30s white male protagonist. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that any of his films qualify in that sense. If we start from like Chromos and Mimic, I don't know Mimic, uh, but Chronos was a Mexican film. Devil's Backbone, uh, sort of the archetypal hero in this one, would have been uh, Jacinto, mm-hmm. and uh, and he is totally the villain of it. 
Uh, instead, we're left with a bunch of children and um, a ghost and like an older gentleman um, as sort of the uh, heroes of it. That's Blade true. 2, Wesley Snipes, Hellboy, Ron Perlman, who I would argue does not fit into sort of your stereotypical. Of course, he's a white male, uh, but he's really not what you would imagine as your stereotypical superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, Hellboy 2, uh, Pacific Rim, I don't think that does. Uh, I, I might not be remembering totally correctly. Shape of Water, uh, Crimson Peak. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, my point is just that uh, he doesn't necessarily uh, make films from the point of view of, uh, I don't know, sort of the archetypal Hollywood uh, characters. No, yeah, no, I know, I... I can see, I can see that. Um, uh, at the same time, um, you know, it, it's an interesting point uh, uh, point you make. I mean, I think when when it comes to you know some of his Hollywood movies, like I mean, Pacific Rim, the main guy is you know some white guy. Like, sure, okay, it, it's like maybe I... it's like a, <laughs> it, oh sorry, <laughs> it, the, the main guy is uh, is uh, like I think. I don't know if he's British or Australian. I'm looking right now. Yeah, you're you're right. It is okay. Uh, but but yeah. but Pacific Rim at the same time is one of those films where like, sure, the main guy is a, uh, it's a white guy, the main girl is Asian. Then you got like uh, the, Idris Elba, the, Idris Elba as the, as the general. Like I mean, that's a very like uh, diverse cast. Although yeah, the hero is you know the white blonde guy. Okay. Um, okay, so so that one does defy uh, sort of what I said. So I, I mean, my mistake. So when it comes to certain movies, I, I will I will say that uh, you're right in so he's he's passion films. So Devil's Backbone, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's, la- yeah. uh, is Crimson Crimson Peak one of those? Uh, you know, I'm not totally sure. Uh, let's see. Did he write this? He did write this. Um, it's hard for me to say, but. For me, from what I've seen, and I feel bad that I'm judging this off of 45 minutes of what I've seen. I'm going to finish it later today. Um, it, it does remind me a lot of sort of the formula of this film. Got uh, it. And Pants Labyrinth. Okay. Um, it's not not a child protagonist or anything like that, but um, just the way it's designed and stuff. It, it's not very much like uh, Pacific Rim or Hellboy or his Hollywood films. All right. So then in that case, yeah, like uh, it sounds like, you know, that's. Another example uh, where, like, yeah, I think his passion projects, you know, will will count as the main character being uh, a minority. Like Shape of Water, the main character is a deaf woman who is also Latina, right? And, and a fucking mermaid. Yeah. And a fucking, well, yeah, and at the end also <laughs> a, a mermaid. Um, <laughs> then, you know, like you got uh, in Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, when it comes to race or ethnicity, or whatever we call it, like Hispanic, etc. cetera. Uh, I don't count the Spanish-speaking lang- Spanish language <coughs> ones so much because after all, like, you know, if you're, if you're Spaniard, you're, you're kind of white. Yeah. Right? Well, in this film, though, um, if you just look at it from age and stuff like that, the person that's sort of in that hero stereotype age is the, old is, man. Is the villain of the film. Oh, oh right, exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah, I, and the, 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 uh, the protagonists are the old man and the kids. Exactly. No, yeah, and, and that part I agree uh, like all, all the good people are within that minority, or like the less represented uh, protagonist kind of concept. No, no, I exactly. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. 
Um, yeah, and 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 I because we, I know we want to wrap this up. Uh, last thing I wanted to bring up is this is a slightly more critical note, and I guess it's kind of a weird point to bring it up. But uh, the way that they kill Santi, mm-hmm. I thought they could have come up with a, something better there. The I, I kind of don't like where they just have the explanation where, oh, tensions got heated up, and then he hit his head because he fell down, and he was a little rough. I felt like they could have come up with something uh, a little more creative than that. Well, I mean, so, but uh, I think it was supposed to be accidental. Like, I think this is the first yeah. time that, uh, you know, Jacinto killed someone. <clears throat> I get why they did it. I just don't find it particularly satisfying. I mean, I'll, what, what I'll do you want, like a, a, a fucking machete through the arm? Like, or, you know, like a cleaver? <laughs> like the, the Giallo films we'd be watching? Some boiling water? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, there's a reason why they did it that way. I just, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's kind of a, uh, it just doesn't, it just could have been something more interesting. If you think about it, the, the kid was not killed. By the by, by the hit on the head. The, the child died because he was tossed in the water. He was still alive when he was tossed in the water. His head was okay. split open. Uh huh. But he was moving, he was breathing, and then he was tossed in the water. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he died drowning. All right. Which is which is pretty horrifying when you think about it. That that is. Okay. Fine. I, I'll give it a pass. I still don't love it. Uh. I think for a film uh, that's very, very creative and excels in a lot of these points, I thought they could have come up with something a little bit better than that. Well, maybe, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I do like, although what I like about him, the drowning part at least, is that it gives you that beautiful uh, design for the ghost, which is which is having that gash bleeding upwards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That just, you know... I, and. And then we get the cool shot at the end of uh, kind of the mirror image of uh, uh, the villain's blood rising to the surface of the uh, uh, the water. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a little bit of everything. All right. Well, you know, I think that wraps it up. Uh, who won? Uh, Del Toro. Yeah, same. Del Toro. I mean, yeah. What you... I, I feel like it's pretty clear. It, it's just a yeah. very immaculately crafted film. All right. Uh, do do we know what uh, we're watching next then? <clears throat> so it's going to depend on uh, how much time. So we'll talk after uh, we wrap this episode. Oh, excellent uh, about that. But it will be something in, in Italy. Ah, all right. So we are still S- in Italy. Big surprise. Yeah, we're still uh, <laughs> we're still in in the land of uh, pizza and uh, pasta, spaghetti. Yeah, arrivederci, arrivederci, grazie. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, then that wraps it up. Uh, now, again, if uh, you have any ideas of films you are cons- want us to watch, uh, you can always email us at uh, ZA Film to Film. No, what is it again? <coughs> yeah, ZA Film to Film at gmail dot com oh, or tweet at us at ZA Film to Film. Excellent. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, thanks you for listening and bye. Ciao.